0: Everybody, we're here. It is week 2, season 7, and the hype is strong. I am on about 4 hours sleep, but I'm like Melisandre today. I'm filled with the fire of fandom. I feel none of this fatigue because I have so much to talk about. We have so much to talk about. Shea is here with me, and of course, we have our good friends at Radio Westeros. Please say hello, Lady Gwyn and your boy. Hello? Hi. Right on. Good to have you all back. Everyone else is excited that you're here, and so are we. It's great to be back. Great to be back. The episode, of course, is called Stormborn. Obviously, that seems to refer mostly to Euron and Daenerys. We had a few hopes for some White Walker Stormborn stuff or Gendry, but oh well, none of that. Too bad. But there were a lot. Of book implications, not just things that directly parallel, but things that we m- should consider whether or not they will happen. Some were just nods to the book, but there's also a lot of history. We got talk about the grayscale plot. We got some talk about potential death of Danny's dragons, one or more of them. We have Egon the sixth friends in the Reach theory, which relates to the Black Fire conspiracy. Nymerian or Wolfpack, obviously. Euron flat out becomes Victorian for a scene, a long scene and quite a bit more so also I need to announce that from now on we are no longer discussing the upcoming episode in terms of the trailer and anything we learned through discussing the trailers and off uh things that come from outside the show we're still not going to discuss set spoilers we're not going to do that I mean not set spoilers but leaks no leaks we're never going to discuss leaks anymore not enough people want to do that we don't want to do that so it's just not happening so what we're doing is instead of having that at the end of the episode, we're going to focus more on this episode and how it relates to the books. And instead, we're going to have a special episode every Saturday for the rest of the season where we only talk about predictions for the next episode based on the trailers, based on interviews, based on behind the episode, based on things like that. So that's will be a lot of fun. We've got a lot to say about that. But because we have so much to say about that and about this, separate the two make them a little more straightforward. So that'll also allow a lot of you guys who are in, say, Europe or Africa or Asia or anything like that to be involved at a time that is more suitable for y'all because I know this is difficult for people who are not in the U.S. to make this evening time. So we'll be doing that early afternoon Saturday. It'll be announced later this week. If you're subscribed to us on YouTube, you'll get the notification as soon as it happens. Okay, real quick, let's start off with a small topic before we get into the meat of it. Just want to get y'all's takes on this. this. is something that Sean and I discussed in our show-only episode, which I know a lot of you guys watch also. What did you guys think of this news about the sea potentially being frozen alongside Eastwatch by the sea, especially given that the opening crawl seems to confirm this? There are We've seen the graphics, and there's a distinct difference between the old graphics by the east watch by the sea and the new which show a very big difference in uh the texture there. Do you guys have any takes on that?
1: No, I've got I've got a comment. It, I think it would be a, it would be a a bit of a cop out if the uh, if the white walkers just kind of you know walked around the wall. The wall's been up all this time and you know it was useless all along. I think it'd be a bit of a cop out if they just froze the sea and walked walk around. So I hope they What if the
0: Daenerys- what if Daenerys flies over there and melts the sea while they're all walking on it, and then they just sink right in? That would be cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dead things in the waters. Yeah, da, there you go. Dead burned things in the water. <laughs> Did you have anything different to say about that, Lady Gwyn, or, or maybe Ash?
2: Um, I, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you, boy, but you know, I obviously noticed it and and wondered. I think we've probably talked about that before being uh, a possibility. So. Right on. Um, But it does seem a little too simple.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it's easy for, I think most of you guys know already because you've watched our stream before, but it's even easier to tell which one of us is a Shea today. Mm. This one, as you can see, this is her, she is now officially sworn to house get down.
3: I have been all along, but now I have proof.
0: Yes, now she is, uh, her house words are about that bank. So, there you go. And I have uh, my Tony Teflon, House Teflon shirt pulling the string. So, yeah. We're, we're both representing other houses today, helping out the fandom. We, we love to uh, spread the love, and the community is a great place. So, cool on everybody. I also want to plug uh, our Euron and Forsaken chapter episodes that we've done recently. They're up on ACast and YouTube and iTunes and SoundCloud and Google Play and all those fun places. Very relevant to the discussions we're having today, because we're going to talk a lot about Euron. And of course, uh, those are just fun episodes in general. Also, our, we have several Aziz first chapter episodes that are available for patrons only, or donators only. Uh, one of them is on the Feast for Crows prologue, and one of them is on the a Game of Thrones prologue. And both of those have a lot of relevance to things that are happening in the show right now. Especially the Old Town one, which is the Feast for Crows. Definitely want to give a shout out to Radio Westeros' patrons as well. A lot of you guys are coming over here to watch your favorite Radio Westeros to pair over here with us. So thank you all for joining us and definitely be aware that Radio Westeros is uh, a fantastic show and worthy of your patronage as well. If you all... didn't
3: know already. Yeah,
0: if you didn't know already. I'm, I'm telling you stuff you already <laughs> knew, but it deserves to be said again.
1: It's great to u- unite our listeners and sh- show everyone, you know, um that we can work as a four you know you're great yeah. friends and it's great to be on your show thanks man yeah we all we're all really
0: this is just fun every week that's why i'm not tired even though i haven't sleep because this is just really fun how could i how could i be tired when i'm having this much fun also, thanks to um, our Dragon Rider patrons. We have Lord Mark of House Joseph, the Snow and Winterfell, rider of Masilocartho, the White Dragon with green scales, horns, wings, and talons. Can you tell I had it all written out this time because I said it perfectly? <laughs> and welcome to Talanus the Talon, King of Gagasos, rider of Talarius, a red dragon with scales, horns, and talons of midnight black. We don't have art for Talarius yet, but that is incoming. Also, thanks to Jeff Gnarly, the long snapper, history of Westeros' first sword, deadly with the blade. Speaking of dragons, that skull, huge, and then followed by a huge wolf, huge wolf, <laughs> and huge dragon. So, that man, the, the scenery in this season already has been just outstanding. The, some of the settings and the, the sets they put together, wow, I'm just gushing here. <laughs>
3: Did I miss Kartho?
0: Yeah, I guess so. I said it, it. But I there did. she is. There's Maslacarth. She? He? There's Maslacarth, though. Hey, how it's cool he or is. she. That's true. Mm. In fact, that's a good place to start. We're going to Dragonstone, where there is a grammar lesson as part of this scene. But we'll start with uh, the scene before it, which is confronting Varus. What did you guys think of this? I thought it was necessary, but pretty well done. What about you guys? Well, you
2: know... I had to wonder why now. (laughs) Barris has been with her since season five. um, So I didn't see any particular impetus in the scene that, you know, why why she was having this conversation with him now. I wondered if you guys had any thoughts about that.
0: You know, I I don't know. I think maybe they just decided to wait on it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, just a decision. But I do think it addresses... I don't know, it's a slight plot hole. I hesitate to even call it a plot hole. It's just a character flaw. But it's something we've thought about for a long time, which is, if there's no young Griff, why why was Varys supporting Viserys with all of his knowledge about this person? You would think Varys would know that he is not an ideal king or anything like that. And so they somewhat address it here. He kind of just says, "Eh, Mm I didn't know, like, Littlefinger, not knowing about Ramsay, Varys... One of the most tuned-in people in all of Westeros didn't know about this. I don't know.
0: I think it's, so. I don't think it's a plot hole so much as that he's lying. I think he is lying about why he backed Viserys, and that makes sense. He's saving mm-hmm. his own skin, just like that whole scene is about. He's like, yeah, I had to save my own skin. She's accusing him of saving, you know, saving himself, and well, it's happening again <laughs> as she's talking to him. I think, and it's interesting because there's a lot of little things that touch on. There's some book nods here. Uh, the way he talks about for the people is a lot like how he talks to Kevin Lannister and Ned Stark, you know, in, in early in the Game of Thrones. Um, Lady Gwen, you had some takes here, I believe, or no, I'm sorry, this is Yoshea's take here.
3: No. That's what I just said. You just That's said, said you that.
0: Said okay, I'm getting my I color just coding said wrong. It. Apparently, being a little tired is affecting me. After <laughs> all, <laughs> now if so, if they. <laughs> But I, I had a little theory here that I think it's a little crackpotty, because I don't actually expect Varys to turn on Daenerys in here. I don't think there's time for it. I don't know why he would do it. I don't know who he would turn on her for. That's the other thing. Like, who is he going to side with if he turns on her? That's the that's a problem. So, the one thing I can John see... Jon Snow. John, yeah, he's going to go back Jon Snow. He's going to decide to go back to Cersei after all. <laughs> no, he... um. In the books, there's the whole concept of the Citadel being anti-magic slash anti-dragon. The Citadel never tried to remove any king from office as far as we know, though. But they did try to get rid of the dragons because they think the dragons are bad for humanity. Bad for their the world that they're trying to build, as Marwyn would put it. And that is true. Dragons are bad for people. They're too powerful, too dangerous, too hard to control. Look at what happened in The Dance of the Dragons. Once there was 18 or 20 dragons out there, it just eventually hit a civil war and it was horrible. And that was a foregone conclusion. Of course there was going to eventually be a civil war when there's this much power concentrated in such few hands and they all have these powerful, you know, nuclear beasts to back it all up. And so I can see maybe that's what Varus does. Maybe he decides to kill the dragons in secret and without actually turning on Danny just getting rid of the dragons so that I don't actually think this is gonna happen but if virus turns on Danny this is how I could see it happening but again I I don't really think it's gonna happen at all I don't think we don't think we have time for virus to turn on Danny and uh, it's kind of hard to see where we'd go but the fact that Tyrion vouches for him and vouches for John and the we can't, you know, it just feels something like it feels like something has to be go wrong with all that. Does, does anyone else have a take on that or am I just making stuff up?
2: Yeah, I would think everything is going a little too well for kind of the people you want it to go well for at this point. So obviously and things are going to start to go wrong and they have. So we'll probably see a little bit more of that because... Yeah, obviously, just go good.
0: <laughs> Daenerys's first forays into you know military endeavors so far in Westeros they start off with a a bad they start off badly <laughs> as we can see, and <laughs> it may get worse before it gets better. We'll see. Interesting that uh, Danny threatens to burn Varys alive if he turns on her just at, before Melisandre shows up. That's kind of um, kind of funny there. Could, any interesting timing? <laughs> We have a question sent to us in advance from Jared. Now, remember, if you send questions in advance, it gives us a little more time to in- include them in the episode. It gives us a little more time to think about them. If you don't send us questions in advance, please use the Super Chat feature, which is a live donation, which we split with Radio Westeros and for their help today and for all this season. Uh, that the, the fact is that the chat room is so busy that we just can't keep up with it. So the Super Chat enables your comment to stay at the top of the chat box for quite a while, which makes sure that we see it. So if you want to do that, go right ahead. Uh, Jer- again, the question from Jared is, does Varys still have his little birds? If so, no news about the Ironborn? Well, what's funny is the person who seemed to have advanced knowledge of where the ships were was Euron, not <laughs> yeah, not Daenerys and not Varys. But I think that Euron kind of just figured that out. It's kind of obvious. Like, you know, There's ships kind of becoming to and from Dragonstone. Mm-hmm. And that's... It's an island, so of course that's going to happen. Does anyone? Do you guys have any takes on the whole uh, the whole aspect of little birds? Do you think uh, Vars might steal them back from Kyburn or anything like that?
2: Yeah. Well, I think that the answer is that the little birds are now working for Kyburn. Um, so that's anyone's guess whether Varys can win them back. I guess. I'm yeah. Sure, I'll try if he has the opportunity.
0: If that's a thing for, if Varus if they want to give Varus more to do, that would be a thing. You know, have him go up yeah. against and you know, in a war of the Whisperers or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: I'd like to see Varrus versus Kyber. Yeah,
0: right. But it, it is unclear what Varus's status is with regards to his, his whispering network at this point. Uh, he certainly still seemed to have it when he was making deals with... The Tyrells and Martells, so, you know, I got to figure that he's not just totally out of the loop. But, yeah, he's got to do more than he has, I think. All right, let's talk about Tyrion and his great plans. Um, This, I think the scene encapsulates that Tyrion is very intelligent. He has a great understanding of politics, and he's applying it to war. But he makes some errors in judgment with Tactics. There's some great strategy here, but some tactical mistakes. In the other, uh, they just totally didn't account for Euron and that burned them badly. He was smart about the need to where each army should be based on how people are going to perceive it. And he was totally, totally on point by guessing exactly how Cersei would speak to the Lords of the Reach and the realm in general about, you know, what kind of propaganda she would use. You know, she's the Dragon Queen, you know, she's the Mad Queen's, Mad King's daughter, all that. That's exactly what happened. So what did you guys get from that scene?
2: I think that was really important because it showed how well Tyrion can get inside Cersei's head, mm. which is going to be important for them going forward. Uh, she on the other hand, hasn't displayed any such um, sort of finer quality. So, you know, I think they have an advantage as far as that goes.
0: Yeah. And um, aside from the advantages he mentions, Tyrion, it's easy to miss that Tyrion is behaving kind of the opposite of how his father would, because we're kind of more thinking it's easier to focus on Daenerys not acting like the Mad King. But it's also easy to see that Tyrion, like Tywin, would go just for the throat, like the Sand Snakes wanted to, and Elena wanted to. Tyrion is not that kind of lion. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's an interesting parallel there. Uh, the foreign army concerns, and we've, ta- we've talked about that a lot, gonna, that's going to have major implications in the books, because not only are the Dothraki a problem, so far Daenerys is keeping the Dothraki on Dragonstones. So we haven't seen how that's going to work out. But clearly, just their presence is working against her, because, I mean, that's the main argument Jamie used to sell Randall Tarley on Flipping Sides, which we'll get to later. So it's it remains to be seen how they're going to be used, but in the books, there's also going to be this this aspect of lore and their engagement with the followers of the Seven, which is going to not go well, I would guess. So that's the whole thing that's not even part of this. Plus, she's going to be bringing over slaves and all these other things. It's not just the Unsullied and the Dothraki. So I think this this plot this aspect is going to matter a lot more in the books. And another interesting aspect, Lady Gwen, you've got some notes here. Tyrion is basically the only real male leader in the room there, although it's kind of implied that Grey Worm had part of the planning ahead of time. But still, this is almost all female leaders.
2: Yeah. Uh, yep, they, it's something that we I, I think we've discussed um, quite a bit maybe last season is the growing importance of women as leaders. Um, you know they talked. to, They pointed out in the after the episode, but of course you know it's down to George for writing these women in these roles in the first place. So even if there is just significant difference from the books, but still um, we see in this scene how it all sort of comes to a head. All those threads with Danny and Yara, Alara, Alaria, and Olena, um, just there planning their takedown of Cersei and another woman who's now in a place of power. So. I thought it was a really cool scene.
0: Yeah. Here's a question from Darren the Red, Knight of the Forums. Uh, Tyrion's plan to ship in the Dornish rather than march them to King's Landing or pick them up on the way. Bad writing or a bad plan? I think it's a bad plan, or or it's basically what I was touching on earlier about how Tyrion understands a lot of these aspects. But in terms of the military minutia, he's a little out of his depth. Too bad they don't have Barristan for that. That Barristan would be perfect for that. That said, they do have someone who is perfect for this sort of thing, but he's a little busy getting treated for grayscale right now. Jorah was the guy who gave Daenerys the best military advice until Barristan came along, and then they were kind of sort of equals in that regard. Barristan certainly had more experience, but Jorah probably... Jorah had more experience in Essos and with the way Essos fighting style. So they both... They were a good good team there that currently Danny doesn't have. Daenerys could also get some military advice from John, potentially. John has all kinds of great military leadership around him, mixed in with people who don't understand politics. So you have <laughs> you might have a good fit there. People, team, team Danny is full of great politic and not much military uh, intelligence or skill or experience. And John has the opposite. So maybe that'll work out really well. But before that, we have Olena, telling her to be a dragon, which is very different than how she was before. And it seems pretty clear that this is a lot to do with Olena's change, which is that she has no future anymore. In the, in our show only review, I compared her to Mary Mazdour. And he, we also have this question of no Iron Throne at the end. Does anybody, uh, well, Yoke Boy, you have some, uh, some takes here on Olena.
1: Yeah. Olena as an advisor, she, she seems clearly motivated by, you know, revenge on Cersei as you're saying, you know, what she got left. Her house is in utter ruin. They're such a proud house, aren't they? And, you know, what have they got? And that's after Cersei's wildfire explosion with Tyrion's plans to take Castle Rock seeming to kind of suit his ambitions, perhaps. It's nice to see this kind of realism of Danny's advisor's all looking out for themselves, essentially. You know, they're giving their this advice, but there's this undertone of selfishness, and their advice is obviously contradictory. So Danny's got to choose wisely, as, as a you know a good queen would. I totally agree.
0: Our co-writer Joe Buckley of Tower of the Hand mentions that, or wonders rather, if she's giving intentionally bad advice to try to just con Daenerys into fulfilling her revenge, which is. Might very well be what's happening. I don't know if Elena even is aware that she would be doing that, but I think Daenerys is smart enough to realize that possibility. So far, it's not happening. It's, you know, Daenerys is not going to listen to that, but I think she may. I think she might yeah. be forced to.
3: Yeah, I thought this was a really interesting scene. It was a scene I had never really considered as a possibility, despite knowing that Elena was with Daenerys. I hadn't really. Thought of the two of them just having a scene together, but it really excited me when it happened because I mean, Elena's lived through so much in her life and just has a lot of life experience. As but well, whether you argue whether her advice was good or not, I thought that it was really striking the contrast and counterpoint that it had to what Jon Snow's you know advice should be in this situation, which is listen to other people, talk to people about your plans beforehand. Whereas Daenerys here is getting counseled to do the opposite, that she's listening to people a little too much and that she needs to listen to herself and make her own decisions.
0: Yeah. I see real quick, um, I don't want to get away from this topic yet, but I see real quick in the chat box, someone mentions, has there been a beautiful death rendering for episode one and two? I haven't seen the episode two one yet, but there is one for episode one. It's really good.
3: Yeah, it's so, obviously the phrase.
0: Yeah, check that out. Yeah, it's really good. Um, okay. So, but back to that, I, I do think that what Olena is saying is coming, becoming necessary, even if Danny doesn't want to follow her advice. Right off the bat, her plan to besiege King's Landing is falling apart because now they don't have a, a navy to ferry the Dornish army up and they may not even have the Dornish army. Uh, that's something we'll touch on later when we talk about the impact of what happened to the Sand Snakes in Laria. But, That if things get bad for Danny, she may have no choice but to go all dragon on everyone. And that is going to be kind of tragic if she has to cause the deaths of innocents to win this war. And that'll be difficult on her. That'll be really interesting. Okay, we have a question from Carrie Neves. Elena's advice to Danny is a ref- is that a reference to Quaithe in a dream, telling Danny to remember she's a dragon. The quote that I pulled here is "Shadows and Whispers." What else had what else had Quaithe said? The pale mare and the sun's son. There was a lion in it too, and a dragon. Or am I the dragon? So yeah, I guess that could be a nod to that. I'm not sure. I wonder. Maybe a little too uh, under the radar for them to be referring to that. But I, you know, we can we can say sure. <laughs> it fits pretty well. We also have a question from Sir Selvas Redblade of White Harbor. Do you think Daenerys is going to listen to Elena and become more dragon in her actions when she finds out about Euron's attack? Yeah. As I was just saying, I think this is one of the things that will push her in that direction. And I think the story, I think the story would be more dramatic if that's the case. We all talked a lot at length about Daenerys' army being too powerful. And that was even brought up in this council session, which I, I appreciate. They're saying, yeah, you could easily conquer King's Landing, but yeah, you would cause all this innocent people to die, and et cetera. Et cetera. So... Yeah. One of the themes of a song of ice and fire is that being good, being honorable, being noble does have a price. Not a, it's, it's a price worth paying, but it doesn't, it's not easy to be a good guy. It's not easy to do things the right way. It's a lot of times is easier to do things the, the quote unquote wrong way, the immoral way. And that is just, that's life. And I like that, you know, they touch on that because it's, we all, I think, appreciate some of the very realistic, harsh things that George puts in the novels. And this is an example of that. Right. Any more takes on Olena and Danny?
3: I think we had a little thing to talk about with Olena there. Sure. What's that? Oh, just the fact that, you know, she talks about how she's seen so many different rulers. During her yes. time period, and she really has, but I think she's understating that she has seen some good rulers and some times of peace.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so if we go through them real quick, we have, she was born during Aegon the V's reign. Uh, that's Egg. Uh That was Daenerys's great-grandfather. And then Jaehaerys II, who only ruled for three years, and he faced the War of Nine Penny Kings, but that never even touched the shores of Westeros. They never got as far as the Stepstones. Then Ares himself... Whereas a lot of Ares' reign was peaceful, you know, until obviously Robert's Rebellion broke out and it was terrible. But the early part of his reign was solid. It was good. And then Robert, Joffrey, Tommen, and now Cersei. So she's seen more change of the regime in the last few years than she had previously all combined.
3: So she's seen seven kings or queens on the Iron Throne so far. I guess now Daenerys is her eighth, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. And I guess do we count Renly in that too?
0: <laughs> I guess we could. If we gotta count Renly, we can <laughs> yeah. count a few others. I mean Yeah, she could be counting, you know, Rob and all those other ones. They they count, yeah. <laughs> and but she also, what Elena also hasn't seen is a Targaryen regime backed by actual dragons. And ironically, she was born into the regime of Aegon V, who said, If I had dragons, I could make all the reforms I wanted. The Lords of Restros wouldn't push back against me so much. How about that? <laughs> nice little parallel there. Okay, so let's talk about the Melisandre scene. Let's go on to that. The language lesson. <laughs> let's see, uh boy, give us a give us a language lesson here.
1: Yeah, well, this is from the books. Let's go to the books because you know we're we're doing a book comparison, aren't we? So yes, this Valyrian lesson is established by Maester Aemon to Samwell in A Feast for Crows. He says this. The error crept in from the translation. Dragons are neither male nor female. Bath saw the truth of that. But now one and now the other, as changeable as flame. The language misled us all for a thousand years. And that's when he asserts to Samuel that Danny could be the princess that was promised, you know, that's echoing in the show now. But, um,. There's a caveat bearing in mind the essential criteria in the books about the prince or princess that was promised is that they're born of the ares Rhaella line. Remember that Aemon doesn't know about Jon Snow's heritage and that he fits the criteria. So, if you narrow it down, the only two people who do fit the prophecy are Danny and Jon, assuming that Aegon is fake. So, in the show, at least, Mel now predicts roles for both Danny and John as savior figures. So a lot of people will be doing book theorizing off that scene, you know, where Mel seems to allude to both of them being a part of this grand prophecy. So obviously we have Daenerys and Jon Snow meeting to look forward
0: to, and that's pretty monumental in terms of a series milestone. And there's a lot to say about that. But uh, since we're talking about Melisandre, I want to bring up Davos and consider what might happen when they're reunited because obviously Jon Snow isn't happy with Melisandre either. So I do wonder how that's going to go. We've gotten a few questions about that. And one thing I want to mention in, with regards to that is that Daenerys is very won over by Melisandre so far. So that's, a, that's potentially problematic because she immediately was like, oh yeah, you Red Priest did a great job over there in Marine. You really helped with the peace. And she appreciates that Melisandre, like Varys, was a slave and rose to where she is now through, you know, coming up through the ranks and, and just being tough and, and a person that rises to the top. So right off the bat, Daenerys' first impression of Melisandre is really positive. And of course, we all have a very different attitude towards Melisandre. That's a lot more mixed, if not loathing for you know, some people are still pretty mad about Shireen, which is a totally fair thing to be mad about. We wonder about how this is all gonna find out, you know, come down as far as John having Winterfell, and they don't necessarily know about Ramsay um, down there. I think it seems like because of Hot Pie's word, maybe that is common knowledge now. Now, uh, Lady Gwen, you have some thoughts on this reuniting?
2: Well, as you, it's not going to be a very happy reunion, is it? <laughs> <laughs> as we said. Um, and basically, I was kind of getting at this what you were just saying that you know. It was interesting that Danny was quick enough to forgive Melisandre for for serving Stannis and it it not going very well uh, when she was there in the room with Varys. Uh, But given what she could learn from them, uh, from them being John and Davos, uh, it'll be interesting to see if she changes her tune at all. Although the big question is, will she necessarily learn anything from John and Davos? And I think... um, Young boy had some thoughts about that.
1: I, I kind of wonder if Mel will just keep herself very scarce for the visit, you know, go and hide somewhere <laughs> because, you know, she's at the center of a storm, isn't she? I don't imagine the writers want to get too bogged down in Melisandra's crimes, as, you know, horrible as they were and as serious as they were. I think they will want to prioritize the discussion about the army of the undead You know, the prince that was promised, the the, the politics of Westeros. There's so much for Danny and John to discuss, as well as perhaps a little bit of flirting, I'm expecting. And (laughs) so I don't see I see I don't see the writers wanting to get sidetracked by Melisandre. You know, I think the scene is too important for her to kind of hijack it.
0: There's certainly indication from one of the early trailers that Melisandra is watching this group of Northerners arrive from that long walkway. But this theory could still work. Yeah, she could see them coming and go, oh, oh time to get out of here. Time to go hide. <laughs> Dragonstone's a big place. She could definitely find a place to hide. <laughs> Grey Worm's not using his room anymore. He left, so she can go hang out there, which is Damn, awkward because huh? that's Shireen's room. So, yeah, maybe don't do that. <laughs>
2: Oh, ouch.
0: (laughs) Yeah, some uh, astute Uh, watchers noted that that was apparently Shireen's room. (laughs) Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Why do I have to Um, keep bringing Shireen up? Damn. And we're going to do it again because we're going to talk about Grayscale later. So, oh, well.
2: (laughs) She's always with
3: us. She
0: is. She's always with us, indeed. Question from Ingrid Rossi. Melisandre seemed to imply there is more than one prince that was promised. If that's the case, wouldn't it be thematically fitting for them to have three like the head of the dragons? Also very interesting that Melisandre said the prince that was promised will come and bring the dawn. Do you think there is really a chance we will see dawn or a version of it in the series? Uh, no. Well, we kind of technically saw a version of dawn in Sir Arthur Dane's hands in that flashback. I think that's all we're going to get. I don't think we're going to have any more dawn or house Dane in the show at all. Do you guys, do you guys think otherwise? No I, no, I think
1: agree. this Dawn is referring to the end of the Long Night. Yeah,
0: I would agree with that too. Um, and I I think that the three, George has specified that the third head of the dragon does not necessarily need to be a Targaryen. So that is, it's kind of funny that you have two maybe prophesied heroes riding dragons and a third dragon rider who's just some person. <laughs> but that might be what we're headed for. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We have a super chat from Carrie Neves who asked a question earlier. And, oops, it's uh, I've just yeah, lost it. Away. I was referring to, she says, I was referring to, remember who you are, Daenerys, the dragons know. Do you? That is the qu- quote she was referring to. That is more direct. Very good. Thanks for posting that. And she's basically saying, do you know that you're a dragon? So that is very close to what uh, Olenna was saying. Good catch, Carrie. I like that. That was really good. All right, let's move on. Get back to the document here. We have another question from... The bastard of the Wolf's Wood. Do you think that the Lord of Light is giving each Red Priest a different vision in the flames? Why is Westeros not seeing a large migration of Relor followers preparing for the great battle to come? I'm crossing my fingers in hopes Kinvara sends the Fire Hand of Relor to support Danny and Tyrion. Well, there's a chance we see that in season seven. I kind of feel like that's not going to happen this season, if at all. But I am a hundred percent sure that is going to be addressed in the books, as I've said at large. The Relor followers are something that the show seems to not be doing much of obviously there's lore followers but it's mostly just a red priest it's not the rank and file you know worshipers i think those will play a big part in the book and i'm excited to see how that's handled because it's going to be just a big epic thing I, I gotta think any other any other takes on that okay let's move on then let's talk about the the gray worm masande scene doesn't have a lot of book implications which, for people who didn't like that scene, that I guess that's good for y'all. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I thought the scene was really good, and I thought it was not only was it really well done. Like you can complain about them using that scene all you want, I will not agree with you, <laughs> and I also will seriously argue with anyone who says that scene wasn't well done because that acting. Complain was,
3: about the length.
0: Yeah, that that maybe is a little fair because uh, you know we do have limited time. That's the only complaint I won't argue with someone about. But the fact that they did it at all mm-hmm. because it was really well done, the dialogue was great, the acting was great. And it felt like a scene from Feast for Crows. It felt like Mm -hmm. that kind of scene where they they show the people who aren't in charge and how they're dealing with everything and that slice of life is really important. And we got a lot of that in Feast for Crows.
3: Yeah, no, I thought this was a really important scene for a number of reasons, really. One, you you can't Will you leave the document on the screen for me, Aziz? sorry. sorry. Yes. Uh, (laughs) One, you can't just show the brutality of war and all that without showing the good and the hope and the trust and the people who are building themselves back up and you know falling in love with one another. And yeah, maybe it went on a minute too long. I didn't need to really see that much of a sexual scene. But what I am most disappointed about myself is that I wanted to see what was going on down there with Greyhound myself. <laughs> I felt chipped. I felt like I, I should have seen that. Also, I wanted to see them, you know... Get a little experimental. I wanted to see them get freaky there. Uh, At least they did something. But then that scene would have been ten minutes, and people would have hated it even more. You're you're the only
1: one. You're the only one who wanted that scene to be longer, Cher.
3: I, you know, I just wanted it to be different. I wanted wanted it to just cut right to whatever carnage is going on there.
1: Masande might
0: have wanted it to be longer too.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh Oh, oh, sorry,
0: couldn't resist. Couldn't resist.
3: But also, the other thing about this scene is that it got me more invested in Gray. Worm's character, and he's about to go off to war to where he could die than I ever had been before this episode. And right now, he's going to be my worry of the week. I, I really don't want anything to happen to him. Okay, right on, right on.
0: That is good. Yeah, and then that's going to come up later. We're gonna, When we talk about the Sand Snakes, we're going to talk about how that scene was still really powerful, but their deaths didn't hit very hard because most people just don't like them. And you don't, so if you don't care about a character, it's hard to care about their death or any tension they're in. But now that Grey Worm has more tension, we care about him more. He's opened his heart. He's more emotional. Like we're closer to him, you know, as human beings, you know, attaching ourselves to a character than we've ever been. And that, that absolutely adds a reason to worry about him. Okay. Question from Gregor the Toasty, Lord of the Breadfort, the most delicious place in the North. (laughs) With John going to Dragonstone, there is a possibility that he will interact with the dragon. If a dragon has a positive interaction with Jon, do you think it could be a clue to one of the characters, especially specifically Tyrion, about his true lineage? Okay. Does anyone else, when you hear that question, does anyone else think of Brown Ben Plum and that scene where the dragons liked him? Is oh yeah. And we've all been waiting for that to happen in the books at some point, right? Like somebody, like that's going to happen to a character that doesn't know they're a Targaryen or that someone something like that. You know, that wasn't that scene wasn't just about Brown Ben Plum. That was foreshadowed, right? Yeah. So that could happen here. And Tyrion would be, it's a good call by Lord Gregor to note that Tyrion would be the one to, to notice that or to, mm-hmm. you know, catch it or to realize, hey, what's going on here? What's up with that?
2: Yeah, I think it'll be like a raised eyebrow at the release, you know, just a pick up. Maybe they're it. building slowly. Of course, the, they, they were, dra- the dragons were kind of, you know, he had a positive interaction with dragons too. Let's not forget. Mm. So
0: That's true. That is true. Yeah, and that's probably coming soon too. We can hope. <laughs> yeah. Question from Lyanna Kelly: Do you think John might need to be rescued by Rhaegal when they go to the Dragon Pit? Assuming that happens, similar to what happened with Danny back in season five, it doesn't seem like Cersei would honestly be considering cooperation. I sense a double cross, and this could push Jamie over the edge. Well, there's no guarantee that you know they're, that John is going to go to the Dragon Pit, but if or if anyone goes to the Dragon Pit, but that would be an interesting parallel for them to kind of. Come full circle with that. Um, I, I think maybe we're getting too far ahead of ourselves making predictions with w- which dragon John may have. I do think Rhaegar is the best guess because of his father being Rhaegar. That seems like a solid guess. But eh, uh, I'm not sure. That maybe is a little too specific of a thing to guess at. Do you guys have any
1: takes on that? Does, does John get a wolf and a dragon then? And a Valyrian steel too or two. Yeah, he's just getting Holy all the stuff. smokes. I'm, I'm <laughs> maybe Dany and maybe Danny as well. And a
3: Dragon Queen too. <laughs> In the books, I'm still hoping he'll get that armor.
1: <laughs> oh, maybe he'll get
0: Euron's armor. Yeah, someone. Yeah, because because of that black armored and black ice comments or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, since we're talking about John and Danny at the same time, this is a good segue to move on to the north and the northern plots here. I've had a little more time to think about this, as we all had. And I know a lot of people are annoyed by John just having these conversations in front of everybody, not talking to Santa at a time. And this is not very good leadership. And I tend to agree. I agreed even more thoroughly before. However, I think, and I do think it's a mistake, I do think this is a bad way to lead. But I think what John is doing is he's trying to avoid any notion of making ba- backroom conversations and making big decisions behind the scenes. He wants all these decisions to be made by consensus. And you can kind of see how he wants to, do. he's trying to sort of lead sort of de- democratically. He's, even though he's making the final decisions, but he doesn't want these things. He wants everything out in the open. <laughs> Which, I while think...
3: keeping things from Sansa, the one person who needs to know it, exactly. Yeah, I so can he's... see your your argument there. I can see John's reasoning, but I think it's a huge mistake. Oh, yeah. And it just drives me crazy. I just want him to learn his lesson in some way. And I, I honestly just like John as a character a little less due to him doing this again. Like all he has to do is just stop springing the news on Sansa in a public place where she can't have a good reaction to it. It it doesn't have the. I, they yeah. don't have a united front with him.
0: He, he's about to put her in charge. He should trust her more with the information ahead of time and stuff. Yeah, it's it's a little awkward, for sure, if not a lot awkward. <laughs> he, need, he, he needs a small council. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, while... Now, a lot can happen while John is gone, too. Mm, and, you yeah, know, you had... She's going to
3: have some interesting... Sansa's going to have some interesting things to deal with, from Bran arriving to Arya arriving. And, of course, Bran is technically the real heir to everything yeah <laughs> whether they'll actually go there or push it that will it seems like that'll be what sansa has to deal with but i also had another interesting idea i did a guest spot on um game of owns and i thought about something i'd never really considered before which is like i mean john said a king has to meet with a queen i'm the only one that can go i'm pretty positive that he could have sent like sansa and that they could have brokered a peace with her involved. And I just, I don't know about you guys, but I had never once considered Sansa meeting with Daenerys, even though it's pretty imminent that Daenerys is going to come more north and Sansa is going to be part of this effort. So I think that they will interact, you know, maybe next season. But it could have happened here.
0: Sansa, I I agree, except for to say that I don't think because Sansa isn't on John's wavelength with what the bottom line is yeah. that he, she wouldn't have made a great emissary because yeah. someone he only John who's Really seen, like he says, I'm the one who's seen the Night yeah. King. Only I yeah. understand how grave this threat is, blah, blah, blah. Plus, his point about, you know, yeah. she needs to be I mean, there's all me- these
3: reasons why we would never have considered it as a possibility. Yeah, it just yeah. never crossed my mind. It just was slam dunk. John is going to meet with Daenerys.
0: Let's hope that but, you know, we get a Sansa Daenerys scene later. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we I
3: think, we, I mean, it seems like we will. And Daenerys and Arya and all these things are going to happen. I don't think it'll be this season, but next season, it's going to be exciting.
0: So, Lady go and tell us about what you think about that scene about what Sansa points out. You had some takes on that.
2: Well, like you said, John, you know he knows better than anyone how important that it is for him to go to see Danny. But Sansa points out the all the Starks who have gone south, starting with their grandfather, and then um, and then their father, and then somebody—I think somebody else—points out Rob, um, and they've all done this only to die. But uh, John just persists in what I saw as really channeling Ned. Uh, He was making kind of altruistic decisions, even though they're controversial, but just really kind of do it himself. Um, You know, it has to be me because I'm I'm the leader and because of, you know, the things that he's seen. Uh, So I also thought it was interesting that leaving Sansa in charge of Winterfell for me, had echoes of Ned leaving Kat in charge mm. back in season one. So,
1: what uh, what do you think, York Boy? I think uh, John leaving the North is, you know, leaving his rule quite vulnerable. Another echo of Ned and Rob. His own subjects are upset that he's defied them, and he's going south. And Littlefinger is kind of skulking around, planning things. So, I expect to see. You know, the fruits of his plans in upcoming episodes, I think, with Sansa. You know, I think Littlefinger wouldn't mind being in charge of Winterfell with with Sansa. Um, as he kind of confessed his love this, this episode. Uh, I think we're going to see a very persuasive Littlefinger. It'll be interesting to see what he comes up with. He might have tricks up his sleeve to cause unrest for John while he's away. This could range from leaking information about his birth to maybe even plotting against him more aggressively. So expect Sanders' kind of resolve to be tested, and that you should have stayed you st- should have stayed in your castle theme to be played on, and it's going to be really mm. interesting to see what dynamics take root. Uh, remembering Bran is about to turn up as well to complicate things. Okay, we have a super
0: chat from Mr. Mitchell 954 Thank you very much. Will the Brotherhood Without Banners go to Winterfell first or straight to Eastwatch? And Clegane will be the first one to reveal Baelish's betrayal of Ned, right? I would think Winterfell for that reason. Um, because I had I th-
3: never really considered them going straight to Eastwatch. It yeah. didn't cross my mind. I guess it is technically possible. But I think it makes a lot of sense to stop somewhere where you can, you know, have refuge for a little while before you head up.
0: Yeah, they may not even know to go to Eastwatch. Like how, yeah, how would they How know, would they exactly. know about Eastwatch? I mean, it doesn't seem like there's... There's not even a maester at Castle Black right now. We're not sure there's even one at uh, Eastwatch. So, yeah, that, the news of what's happening in the North may not be widely known enough for that. Um, but I... So I think Winterfell, yeah. And I think Sandor... It just gives us so much dramatic possibility for Sandor to be there, to meet... Potentially meet Arya again, to meet Sansa again, and Brienne as well. <laughs> There's so many interesting reconnections there. Plus just Arya and the rest of the Brotherhood has a mm-hmm. little potential as well. Yeah. So, a lot of possibilities. I hope they do that. Mm-hmm. You know? So maybe, uh, maybe this is more hope than, than what we expect, but mm-hmm. hey, whatever. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Another thing I was thinking about with this scene before we move on from this uh, to take more questions about this Sansa scene is something that uh, I hadn't thought about much before someone brought it up to me, which is I wonder how much of Sansa's visible reaction at that, you know, meeting there, that that council meeting, was for Littlefinger's benefit, was calculated. How much of it was her real reaction, whether she was reining it in or letting her disappointment show... I mean, she clearly looks over a little finger and part of that is that she can see his reaction. But I think she has to know that he's observing her as well and that she has to give him a very certain reaction to show him that maybe there is hope for him when actually she isn't that upset about this.
0: That would be really cool if she's playing a deeper game and and showing him reactions that he will be fooled by. Because he, as we know, isn't on top of his game when he's dealing with her. He is liable to misread her because he's got so much of his own you know emotions wrapped up in everything to do with her that's pretty cool here and on point with that is a question from hama helminth captain of the whispering children given book sansa's existing and possible future ties with the veil do you see show sansa gaining the allegiance of the knights of the veil independent of littlefinger and if so how well that is a huge consideration that's pretty much the whole reason Littlefinger's still there. If it weren't for the Veil vale Knights, I think they would have just been like, get the hell out of here, dude. We do not want you here. Because Sansa is super cold to him. John is even colder, like you know, grabbing him by the neck and all. And no one seems to particularly want him there, <laughs> but no one can deny that he's valuable because he runs the Veil vale Knights. They've been giving Bronze Jan Royce a, a good bit of lines here and there, just a few lines here and there. And I wonder if maybe that's what we're headed towards. Jan Royce doesn't like Littlefinger either. Littlefinger really backed him into a corner and threatened him and, and all that. So, And Royce is just not a not a fan of Littlefinger. So that could be something to do with it. I think that might be why Royce is still getting lines because we need someone else from the Vale to be involved in this at all. Because if it's true, if Littlefinger is out of the picture, he's in charge of the Vale Knights. And we need that. that the fact that he's, his presence is there almost is a bad thing for Littlefinger, just the fact that
1: that character's getting lines. i would trying <laughs> to
3: see more of Sweet Robin. I'm sorry, go on.
1: I was just going to say that's a really, really great point, I think. That's a really, you know, I hadn't thought of it. Well, you know, that's brilliant. Thanks. <laughs> um, so, but
3: do you guys think we'll see Sweet Robin?
0: Hmm. hmm. Do you think, if so, does that mean that, she might consider marrying him because she can dominate him. That would be the kind of marriage that she would absolutely be the yeah. one wearing the pants in that family yeah, to could, borrow a cliched expression. I guess
3: feel safer. I don't know. I I don't think it's that likely but I do think that if she talked to him about Littlefinger he would side with her 100%. Mm. I don't even
1: think
3: he would have a conflicted feeling about it. I think if she told him anything about Littlefinger, he would believe Sansa over him. Yeah,
0: she has that. She has that advantage. That that. Mm-hmm. She's yeah, they're family. They're kin,
3: and she's a pretty girl that he like looks up to in some way. It's easy.
0: hmm Just a a, a a hand on his arm at the right moment, right <laughs> when <laughs> this goes a long way.
3: <laughs> Make the bad man
2: fly. Ooh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Question from Lord Brandon Brewer of Castle Black Rune. Just a comment, but how fitting would it be for Arya to make her way north and at some point be seated as Lady of the Dreadfort, and she can truly bolt on any face she needs? (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Ha! It's too bad. We have real Sansa and fake Arya as the two, you know, (laughs) ladies of the Dreadfort (laughs) in the various canons. Neither of them are real Arya. Nice one, nice one. I appreciate the pun, of course. Of course I appreciate the pun. (laughs) Another question from Matthias Lasu, Lezu. In one of Jon Snow's or possibly Sam's chapters, I'm not sure which, Mormont's Raven in the Castle Black rookery says something like, Corn, corn, king, corn. If the books go the same way as a TV show, is this a reference to John being king in the north or king of Westeros? Any thoughts on that?
3: I think it means there's going to be a corn king. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is this this true detective? Are we
0: talking about a different show here? (laughs) 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 Oh, the corn code, yeah. Oh, boy. That is the (laughs)
2: quote that... Spawned the infamous corn. code. The
0: corn code is one of the craziest <laughs> theories, one of the most "what the hell" theories I've ever seen. <laughs> anyway, so I guess we don't know. I guess we don't. I guess it's hard to say. I do think John will become king of the north in the book. So say that's a safer bet, probably, because I'm not at nearly as sure that he will ever be king of the Iron Throne. Uh, that's a lot less sure. So, ha, Aziz is the corny king. Come on, <laughs> thanks, Pipes Payday Podcast. Thanks, TJ. Yes, I, I am. Or the pun king. I'm the pun king, right? Uh,
3: it's the same thing. Okay. I'm
0: only like the corny, I'm only like a lord of corny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have quite a high rank there. Lord of the corn fork. Question from our buddy LML, Mythical Astronomy of Ice and Fire podcast and videos as well. What up to Lady Gwen and the notorious yoke boy, Aziz <laughs> and Ashea? Thanks. <laughs> it's interesting that the show is sending John to meet Danny before John knows he's Rhaegar and Leanna's son. Yeah, that is a little surprise. I think we all kind of thought it would go the other way. Do you think the books will do something similar, giving the reader the RLJ reveal through a brand vision or some other means before Jon finds out, as opposed to Jon learning the secret from Lyanna or Ned's ghost while Jon awaits resurrection? If so, how long do you think George will let Jon go without him realizing he's a dragon? Might he even end the story without Jon ever knowing? As weird as that sounds, it's not impossible. If the importance of his dragon blood will be magical as opposed to Jon making a claim for the Iron Throne, it's possible Jon's magic blood could play its role without Jon realizing that he's part Targaryen. I favor a reveal straight to John in the Crypt, but what do you four think? How will it come in the books? Good question. Lots of parts in that question. Well, I definitely think it's possible he'll never know. Um, because we know that he... We know the truth, and maybe that's all that matters. Maybe... And it's always been difficult to figure out how John would learn. I mean, maybe there's always and Reed, which is something the show apparently isn't going to touch on. But there are enough ways for John to learn, even though there's not a lot of them, that I think... You know, it's, it's it's a reasonable possibility.
2: I think it's definitely possible that he'll never know. He'll, he's, there's going to be some sort of slow reveal to him through dreams and things of that nature. But he may never know for sure. We may find out through other ways.
0: We've a super chat from Allison Swan. They're pulling a lot of Ned slash cat parallels with John slash Sansa during season six plus this season. Could there be anything to it or are they just for cinematic purposes? I don't know if there's anything to it. I think cinematic purposes is reason enough. I think that's pretty strong. And, you know, having Ned and John Emmett, you know, be like his father and Sansa be like her mother is just, that's just quality writing. You know, that's how it's supposed to work. Right. So I think that uh, there, I don't have any kind of deeper meaning to that. I think it's just quality. What do you guys think? Any, any other takes on that? You think there's more to it? You think maybe Sansa's going to directly channel Cat more or Ned? Is John's going to become even more like Ned?
2: No, no, I don't think so. I mean, it, if it's in terms of Sansa kind of challenging John, if that's the implication, I'd, I don't think so. I think it's probably what you said. It's just a natural outgrowth of who those two young people are.
3: I think they're just having those interactions that can't help but parallel it. Although, I mean, there's a lot of Johnson shippers and I, I mean, I Mm -hmm. can't shake. They are just cousins. I definitely, there's chemistry between them, I guess. You just know John and Danny's going to be the thing, but I don't think that's what her question was exactly, that it was romantic. But I do think that it is, uh, you just can't avoid the two of them having similarities to Ned and Catelyn's relationship when they're being the Lord and Lady of Winterfell. That's exactly what they were.
0: Yeah. Good points. Okay, let's see. Moving on, we have... Let's go to the crypt. The crypt scene is, as I said in the show only review, this was a surprise. I guess we all read a little too much into the statue of (laughs) Lyanna because this scene was a lot more mundane than we thought. I do think it was clever. There's some interesting, clever undertone here that... Littlefinger knew he needed to have knew he needed to have a talk with John. It didn't go very well, but I thought it was clever for this this scene to happen in the crypts. Not just because it fooled us into thinking R plus L equals J stuff. Well, that is fairly clever, but because when John's in the crypt, standing next to his father's statue, but the fact that he came in to talk to. John in the crypts is speaks to just how clever Littlefinger is this is a moment of emotional vulnerability for him he's sitting in front of his father's statue he's down in the crypts that's a you know a place for reflection and and all that so I think that may have been a carefully chosen moment by Littlefinger which is pretty clever what do you think um Lady Gwen what's your take here
2: Well, I, you know, what I was struck about with that scene and his whole story about delivering Ned's bones, first of all, was Mm. what an arrogant, smug jerk he was. (laughs) Um, Remember Kat's reaction when he delivered those bones? She was hardly, you know, grateful and she wasn't very nice little finger in that (laughs) moment. So I think we need to remember that Jon and maybe Sansa are soon going to be with people who know the truth about Ned's death uh, and it wouldn't give very good odds on his head and neck keeping company <laughs> once that truth gets out in the north, particularly. And I did want to just say that I think the statue might have had some significance after all, the Liana statue that is, in that we're really not being allowed to leave Liana out of the frame when, you know, as far as John is concerned and as far as... RLJ, like Yoke Boy said, we might still get, Baelish being the vehicle for that reveal in some way. He's because he's been so shown in the crypt so many times. I just feel like it has to be significant.
0: Hmm. Real quick, a comment from Iron Uh, nice one, Iron Throne. He says, "Does anyone else? Did anyone else catch Lady Dustin hiding behind Leon's statue or Ned's statue down there in the crypts?" <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: that, nice one. Nice that's one. funny for what I'm about to say. Actually, Iron Troy. <laughs> uh, I was just about to say that the uh, the scene was, you know, somewhat evocative of a couple of crypt references in the books. John's dreams, where he feels the statues are telling him that he doesn't belong. You know, in the crit in the Stark crypts, as he tells Littlefinger in this scene. And Theon's excursion to the crypts with Barbary Dustin, where his desperate belo- longing to be a Stark is revealed. Something which we feel strongly Littlefinger could be feeling. You know, this I really want to be a Stark thing, given his love for Kat. She was taken by a Stark, and now his love for. Now his love for Sansa. Did we? go too far with this. We were, in the first place,
0: we were assuming that because of this scene and this statue that it makes sense that Littlefinger could reveal R plus L equals J to, to John. Now that it didn't happen, are we, should we back off on that prediction? Should maybe we think maybe Bran's gonna be the reveal since Bran actually witnessed it. And Littlefinger, it was always just a, a thing that we guessed he might know. Maybe we should start backing off on things maybe he doesn't know.
2: Um, I could see him not wanting, why would he want to tell John? I could see him telling Sansa, you know, mm. hey, pff, your, your brother, the so-called king in the north, son of Ned Stark, guess what? He's not. He's a Targaryen, mm. as it turns and now out. Now that he's gone. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. So he's waiting for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Good call. Good call. From Fabian Flowers, the Bastard of Greenshield. It's interesting that Jon tells Littlefinger that he doesn't belong in the crypts when he himself always felt that way. This is kind of along the lines of what Yokbo was saying. I think he sees himself as a true Stark now. What implications does this have for the revelation about his parentage? Will he keep it secret for political reasons as we've just heard a Targaryen cannot be trusted? That was said right to his face by the previously mentioned Bronze Jan Royce. Good, good question. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I wonder if he if he finds I never considered that he finds out in secret. And I just assume that if he finds out, it's going to become known to everybody. But yeah, maybe it won't be. Maybe it's a secret John keeps to himself for some reason. I never I got I might have to marinate on that a little bit longer because that's uh that's got some interesting implications. Does anyone else have a take on that? Yeah, I guess everybody else needs to take. Tick, tick. I guess everybody else needs to think about it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm
3: just trying to keep up with the live chat. <laughs> yeah,
0: Shea's doing a great job here. There's so many comments, and of course, it's hard for her to always weigh in, but uh, we appreciate that.
1: I, I would say that it's definitely an interesting thing to think about in terms of you know how how George likes to play with people's identities, doesn't he? You know, in so many ways, and this could be another one. You know, John finding out just as he's bedding in as a true Stark. And then he gets completely flipped, and you know what will that do to his kind of self-concept? It's going to be interesting in the show. Also, I want to point out that
0: uh, there's an interesting thing they're doing with Sansa in terms of the writing. They keep avoiding mentioning her to the characters who aren't around her. Like she doesn't come up in Danny's council meetings at all. They mention Jon Snow. We mention you know, and then uh, the men- Arya hears about John winning the Battle of the Bastards of hot pie again. No mention of Sansa. So to me they're holding that back for a reason there's like a meta reason for their writing to to keep that back you know so they want they want to save those reveals for later they don't want aria to find out in advance they want her to be surprised or you know or they want brand to be surprised or something like that i'm not sure but I, I, it's, it's suspicious that she keeps not being mentioned in these places uh do you guys have any takes on that or is um that just kind of a a wait and see sort of thing
2: no, it was definitely something I picked up on, especially in that with Hot Pie giving his little news. Just um, no mention of Sansa, because, you know, we're all looking forward to seeing that reunion. So it must yeah. be going to be impressive.
0: <laughs> on the other side of things, Littlefinger did hear about Tyrion being hand to the Queen, and he had a visible reaction to that. What do you think Littlefinger is most worried about with regards to Tyrion? Any any thoughts on that? I wonder if it's just that Tyrion was a formidable enemy or and, that he... And
3: clearly doesn't trust Littlefinger or, you know, isn't a pawn for him to play with.
0: Yeah. And
2: could he be worried that Tyrion might come to claim his wife? <laughs> <laughs>
0: could he be worried that Tyrion will, you know, be angry over... <laughs> framing him because he didn't seem to know that olena did that he, he, I mean, but
3: <laughs> oh yeah that's a good point <laughs> he never brought
0: he brought up Marcella to the sand sticks, but yeah, he didn't but... mention the framing so i'm guessing he's just not aware of it yeah okay another question from lord brandon brewer of castle black rune is a good one seeing as john's following in ned's footsteps and choking little finger for a perceived slight against their family yes that was a nice callback do you guys possibly see a Baelish-Stark duel 2.0 after Littlefinger finally makes his move on claiming Sansa? Jon, of course, playing Brandon's role, but without any mercy this time around. Of course, then Littlefinger's head would decorate the walls of Winterfell as it should. Well, yeah. I don't know about that. I think Littlefinger, as a teenager, was just... You know, he was he was a dumb kid. And just overwhelmed with emotion and thought the good guys always win. He had stories in his head. I don't think he's got those illusions anymore. In fact, I think he's the opposite of that guy. Even though he still has a lot of... Childish notions about his crush. I don't think it's... I don't think he would go that far as to fight Jon Snow. But that would be cool. I like the idea, though.
3: He went far enough to, you know, just agitate Jon Snow down in the crypts and tell him that he loved, you know, Sansa's mother as he loved her, which was... I don't, think was, I don't think that was, you know, a calculated move exactly. I think his passions got the better of him right there.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. But it's still a long jump from that yeah. to, you know, fighting, fighting John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially with John leaving now. Like uh, If Littlefinger's comeuppance is going to happen, it's, it's a distinct chance that it comes during some other point, you know, while he's gone. Yeah, so.
2: I think in John's absence, I think it will be, well, again, I've said it before, it's going to be Sansa. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Littlefinger's that head will end cool. up there, but
2: yeah,
0: that would be really a great way for her to be like, "Hey, I am of the North." You know, he who passes the sentence should swing the sword. Or in her case, she who passes the sentence should swing the sword. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. And she might be like, "Well, I'm not going to chop your head off because that's hard to do. It's hard to sever a man's head, but maybe mm-hmm. just a, a sticking him through the heart or something, <laughs> <laughs> or pulling the pulling the thing that hangs him or whatever." I
3: hope it's, it's S- Sansa who does it. I, who does it? I think it's. I think she's going to have Arya do it. That's my thought. May, yeah, just because she... I think Arya is going to like use his own dagger on him or something like that.
0: What about Arya, his crackpot idea? What about Arya dressing up, you know, faceless manning herself as Sansa? <laughs> Being Sansa for a minute, you know? And then them messing with Littlefinger that way. She's like, hey, dress up as me. Go talk to Littlefinger and, you know, do stuff. I don't know. Just...
3: Although there is a the question, <laughs> I think we've gotten it before, about uh, whether Arya had to kill Walder Frey to take his face, you know, and whether mm. she would have to... Kill Sansa to take her face. Yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah, I wonder about that. That's a good point. Well, well, let's definitely not hope for that. <laughs> no killing your sister. Well, Ned already said that a long time ago. Don't don't use lethal on Sansa. <laughs>
1: Those instructions still stand. She should have killed Ed Sheeran, and then then she can be a pop star. <laughs> <laughs> Can
0: you imagine them writing that in there for her? Like we brought this car- we brought Ed Sheeran on because we know you love him, and He's but we're going to make you kill him.
3: He's the new Arya. <laughs> That's right; Sheeran it's Sheeran. the other way around.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Ed Sheeran is in there.
3: <laughs> oh goodness.
0: Okay, let's see. Do we have any other questions about this? I think not I think we're about the halfway point so
3: one thing Acre Frey points out that the Waif had Arya's face when Arya had her own face
0: oh good catch this whether
3: that. the Waif has you know greater skills or the abilities of the House of Black and White has changed things we don't know but good point cool that is a
0: good point good call there Acre Frey is aka Lord James Saunders the Chicken da- uh, Lord of the Chicken Dance well, an esteemed member of our chat group is a longtime follower so thanks for that So let's do our mid-roll stuff here. We're doing well. We've got about, looks like we have over 500 people in the chat. That's awesome. Thank you very much for sticking with us. We've got plenty more left, but it is time to get ourselves. That's uh,
3: 500 people in the live stream, not in the chat, thankfully, because if 500 people were in the live chat, I don't know how I would possibly read this.
0: That would be a bit difficult, wouldn't it? So we periodically give shout-outs to different patrons at different levels. Today, it's time to give a shout-out to our Ironborn captains. We've got a couple new ones in here. We've got Kathleen the Ruthless, captain of the Night Terror. We've got Black Matto Stormrider, captain of the Rusted Hinge. We've got Rebea, Lady of Waves, captain of the Iron Shadowcat. I believe we have one of your questions queued up as well. We have Tusk Shield, breaker captain of Kraken's Fury. We have Oysen the Wanderer, captain of uh, Naga's Living Flame. We have Sir Selvas Redblade of White Harbor, Captain of Trident of the North. Already had a question answered. We have Lord Chuck Laws, Captain of the Drummond Nightblood, Destroyer of Evil, and fellow ATLian. Hey, what's up, Chuck? Uh, Dean Crozai of House Seaworth, Captain of Silence. I guess we can call this Silence 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, this is what happened to Euron afterwards. Dean is going to snatch it from him. Mad Zach is captain of the Red Wake. And I've just noticed that I have a typo on the, on the screen here. I'll have to fix yeah. that for you, Zach. It says Mad Zachum on our webpage. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, great new names there. Thanks for supporting us. That is uh the Ironborn Captains is one of many levels we have out there. We've got a new level. Not just yesterday, we announced the Beard Guard, the Beard Council, and the Hand of the Beard. We also now have a set of levels for... The Queen. Yeah. Our producer queen, Ashea, I'm titling you. The
3: Queen's High Council. We have the Queen's Not High Council. small council, high council. Yeah, high council.
0: And we also have the uh, Hand of the Queen, and we have the Queen's Guard. So if you want to protect Ashea, join my the Queen's Guard. jacket. If you want to be her number one right-hand man or woman, you join up as the Hand of the Queen.
3: I'm only accepting women in my Queen's Guard. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. That would be great, but No.
0: Uh, Okay, so if you, you can go to patreon.com and check the level that's right for you, support that's right, the support level that's right for you, and we appreciate whatever you can do. So let's move on. Let's go on to the next location. We were talking a bit about Aria. Let's go ahead and do that fully now. Really nice to see Hot By. What did you guys, what did you guys think uh, about this uh, reunion?
3: I was totally surprised, honestly. I I don't know why I wasn't exactly anticipating her interacting with Hot Pie right there. Do
0: you think maybe it'd be too fan y
3: no, because it wasn't really that pleasant of an interaction, all things considered, you know what I mean? Like yeah. She was kind of cold to him towards the end, although it was really great for him to give her this knowledge. Again, not mentioning Sansa. Arya has no clue. She's <laughs> going to arrive there, and Jon Snow's going to be gone, and Sansa's going to be ruling, and maybe Bran's going to be there too. It's going to be really different. But we got to see Hot Pie make a nice little meal for aria yep. i really wanted I, what i think would have made it fan servicey but what i wanted was for him to call it winter hell <laughs> i really wanted it
0: <laughs> that would have been you awesome what a great nod holiday. to the books that would have yes. been and oh my our friend rudy pointed out that that baking tip about the bread is crust is 100 percent accurate <laughs> browning that brown butter to, makes a huge difference yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good call good advice there hot pie so we we kind of guessed that she was behind on her news. We kind of figured that, that was the way things were going. She didn't seem to be up on the current events. A little bit funny about that because if she was at the, the Twins, she had to hear about the Boltons killing Lady Walda, which is before the Battle of the Bastards, to be fair. But you'd think that the phrase would be kind of in on that news because of, you know, the Boltons really screwed them over, even though they're all dead now, so there's no one to take revenge on. But, you know, that's the show for you. They sometimes skip over stuff like that. There, there's probably a way to make that work. I just, I couldn't come up with one, though. What about you guys? Anything anything to explain that away? Or should we just say, eh, never mind?
2: Uh, news hadn't filtered. So, you know, uh, maybe they had, Ramsey had kept the news so quiet that if they find out Walt is dead, they probably just attributed it to uh, Jon Snow and, you know. The way, the way these things happen in Song of Ice and Fire all the time, the wrong people get blamed for things.
3: Mm. I liked that people mentioned that while Arya was Walder Frey, she could have just, you know, talked to the maester there. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a
0: maester there, right?
3: <laughs> like, tell me what's happening <laughs>
0: everywhere. I was like, was give like, me man, some news. You Walder's
3: memory is really going. We just went over the letters yesterday.
0: Wearing his face also gave her gave her his um, ability to retain facts, apparently. <laughs> yeah, so that was what it was. She, she learned all those things as Walder, but when she took the face off, she forgot them all. <laughs>
1: So Yuckboy, you had some takes here as well. Yeah, first of all, it, it was good to see that Hot Pie can hold down a job. That was my first that was my first tweet actually yeah. after the episode. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah, I liked it. That was your own's tweet for him to, to be able to hold on, down a job and it cracked me <laughs> up out loud in the moment. And then we <laughs> talked about it when when I was on Game of Owns, we were like that was the best tweet of me. Oh wow. <laughs>
1: Excellent. Shout out to Game of Owns, yeah. And uh, la- last week, I remember saying, you know, Arya was at this cross crossroads psychologically, and here we are at-, at the inn at the crossroads. You know, the this great symbol of, you know, people making decisions. Where, you know, Kat took Tyrion, you know, on that fateful fateful day, and Arya ends up going north. Wow! And we've got um, Hot Pie and Ed Sheeran's posse to thank. So thanks for that, because we all <laughs> want to see it. <laughs>
0: I hear everybody's hating on Ed Sheeran, and look at all the good he's doing.
3: (laughs) Uh, Someone said chicken pus pie.
0: Oh, that is a both good (laughs) and awful pun. Yeah, I
3: had to say it out loud.
0: Well played, well played.
3: Mm -hmm. Zoilo.
0: I see some people mentioning, a couple times people are asking about... My shirt, this is indeed a Tony Teflon, House Teflon shirt, which he gave me personally at dinner Shit. at Con of Thrones. That's right. Yeah, I'm happy to wear this shirt. Mm. And if you missed it, Ashea is wearing a Get Down Brothers jacket, a custom Get Down Brothers jacket with her name right there. As you can see, well, her hair's covering it up, but oh, yeah. it comes in and out when, in depending and out. on where the hair is. There can it is. Spin around? See if you can spin around without wrecking our live stream here. Look at that. Move your hair. Yeah, look at that. Get Down yeah. Brothers. How yeah, cool is that? There
3: we go. Oh yeah. Anyway,
0: that's her new house. <laughs>
3: I don't think I've ever done that on camera before. Spun my chair around.
0: <laughs> that was that was a live stunt you just pulled. I off.
3: was. <laughs> I'm going to be credited as a stunt coordinator in this episode. <laughs> we I don't know if you guys have noticed, but on YouTube we always credit Radio Westeros as the Radio Westeros Dancers. The Radio
0: Westeros Dancers.
3: <laughs> it kills me. Some I love it. I love it. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, so now we have we have choreography to go with the dancing. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> you, you haven't told anyone that it's lap dancing, have you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah,
0: Lady Gwen us what you thought of this scene. Nigeria? Once we can once we stop laughing.
2: <laughs> well, it's hard to follow that, but I'm going I'm going uh I'm going all poignant now. Um, yeah, Arya and Pie together, like you guys were saying, she was very cold to him um, and, and he was trying his hardest. But um, there was this moment that came when, when she tried to pay and he said to her, her, friends don't pay. And I couldn't help but thinking, when was the last time Arya had a friend? You know, she's... Um,
0: Micah. This, That's it, it I think.
2: This
3: has been uh, a long journey much, for her. With, yeah, how much do you count Gendry or okay, Hoppey yeah, or that, Since them. But yeah. Really, yeah,
2: them since she right, left that them, group yeah. of people. So it's been years. Or, you know, however well, uh, years and timeline is difficult, of course. It's been mm-hmm. a very long journey for her. And I think that remembering what what it's like to have a friend is part of that reentry into society, kind of her rehumanization. <sighs> Someone said seen. the waif <laughs> the oh, waif yeah. was her friend yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: lady Lady Crane sort of helped her out a little bit there. That was the yeah.
2: one little glimmer of human kindness that she's had, yeah. in, you know, literally a very, very long time. Mm
0: -hmm. since she's returned to Westeros, it's like an escalating humanization. First, she meets some soldiers that she thinks she should kill and turns out they're good, decent people. Then she meets Hot Pie, who's an actual friend and expresses positivity towards her. And then, well, let's do it. Let's talk about Nymeria. And that's a reminder of, she hears about family and then she's reminded of family. And this is Whoa, that wolf is huge. I know I said it already, but damn. (laughs) Uh, Arya's strong bond with Nymeria makes this plot potentially very different in the books, though, right? This is... It's hard to predict how different it'll be in the books, but she's been having all these wolf dreams throughout the series, and that seems like it's going to... To me, that says this will be very different.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the books doesn't have to deal with the budget.
0: Yeah, they just write, Back of Wolves! And, you know... (laughs) You can't just write that into a show. <laughs> yes. So much money. <laughs> and uh, what, what do you think there, uh, Lady going. what do you think of the point of the scene was?
2: Well, it was Arya letting go of her younger self um, and of I mean, Nymeria, obviously. Nymeria's moved on and formed her own family, really. And um, Arya's about to reunite with her own pack. Uh, Nymeria probably wouldn't have a place there. So, you know, you get this callback to, as they noted in the after the episode, to the Ned's, uh, Arya's words to Ned, that scene from season one, mm-hmm. where she said, that's that's not me. And um, so she says, that's not you, to Nymeria, recognizing that she's kind of made her own place in the world now. I found that to be another really poignant moment to, you know, kind of back-to-back Arya tear jerkers in a row um, this I think this was a very conscious goodbye and I don't think we'll see those two together again
1: yeah I think I agree with you yeah I, I, I agree that that was a, a goodbye that we won't see Nymeria with Arya again I know a lot of people are think, thinking about it, I've heard differing opinions but I really thought that was framed as a, a goodbye full stop and the scene kind of harks back to Ned telling Arya, you know, bringing the books into it. When the snow falls and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. And now Nymeria's found a pack. And um, like Lady Gwyn said, if she if she's to f- survive the winter, Arya's got to find her pack. So, yeah, that that's the TV show. As you said, the the books will be very different because the. They seem to be part of the plot, this huge wolf pack, and they're getting increasingly mentioned. I think in the Winds of Winter we're going to see su- some kind of devastating scene with that wolf pack. It seems that's one of the largest main divergences is the wolves. It's a lot of it's
0: understandable.
3: Yeah, I feel pretty strongly. I think that we're going to see Nymeria again. I don't think it's going to be this season, most likely, but mm. I really think, <laughs> but I really think that next season she's going to come in and save the day. I think. You know, in all likelihood, she is going to keep some sort of radius around Arya while doing her own thing. But Arya is going to go north and Nymeria is going to be somewhat north as well. unbeknownst to both her and the audience, but that she'll save the day eventually, some crucial moment. But it'll save their budget, you know, until that will happen. Hmm. But what I would love to see, but we all know we won't get it. It's very unlikely. I'd love to see is that until that happens, until Nymeria comes to rescue some situation that we do see wolf dreams. I would love to see Arya having wolf dreams now that she's reuniting herself with her stark roots back in Winterfell. I think that's the time that she could have these dreams come back up, but I really doubt it's going to happen.
0: Right on. Good takes, uh, everybody. Um, I sort of think we might see her again. I'm, I, I see both the arguments here and I weighed in pretty Thoroughly in show only. Yeah. And you guys have you guys have covered this. I don't I won't yeah. I won't go any farther with that. Here's we also have a couple questions related. Again, if you have a burning question that you want answered that you didn't have time to get into front, I highly recommend Super Chat for just a couple of bucks or more. You can make sure your chat comment stays very visible for a while. We can all see it and uh get to that question in front. Rebea, Lady of Waves, Captain of the Iron Shadow Cat. After the brief reunion with Arya and Nymiri, do you think that Arya's warging abilities will awaken for the show? Personally, I would be surprised to see Nymiri again unless we hear. Of news of a wolf pack terrorizing the Riverlands, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think with all of our predictions, even Ashea who's predicting that we'll see Nymeria again, even you probably don't think there's going to be much of the war aspect of that, right?
3: I, I, yeah, I think that that's a pipe dream on my part that we'll actually see that. Although, if again, if there were any time for that, I think it would be now that she's back in the north and in Winterfell, and that Nymeria has been reintroduced, but. And I guess technically they don't need to use CGI or film Nymeria if it's all from Nymeria's perspective. You know Mm, what I mean?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. So maybe
3: it's possible, but I would say I think it's like a 5%, 10% chance that we could get that.
0: The one thing that gives me a little bit of optimism is that they talk about how Season 8 is going to... They're considering like feature-length episodes with feature, maybe movie-sized budgets. If they have a greatly expanded budget, that... We should at least. That, I think that would be a fair reason to have a little more optimism about wolves coming back. They may not have even decided yet whether they're going to have more Nymeria. <laughs> so, and apparently there was a ghost yeah. scene shot, <laughs> Can I just but share that was this cut. Comment? Yes,
3: from Stephanie Vale. I'd be okay with a hundred million a season being spent on nothing but Nymeria and ghost riding dragons.
0: Whoa! Yes, <laughs> make that movie slash TV show. <laughs>
3: Firewolves. Firewolves.
0: There was an 80s show called Airwolf. This is uh, uh, yeah. reminds me of that. Instead of a helicopter, we're just making a dragon. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fantasy Airwolf. Lady Ar- Ardross asks, Do you think Arya, the Arya-Nymeria reunion in the books will go the same way as in the show? Or will the Stark-to-Wolf connection, which the show has bypassed for all the brand, prove too strong for Nymeria to walk away from? Arya has the most wolf dreams of all of them in the books, so that connection seemed to have endured their separation. First of all, good point about Arya having the most wolf dreams. That's a big part of why we think this is going to go very different in the books than the show. So, yeah, I think it will. But I, I say, no, it will not go. It'll be very different. I think Arya's Nymeria, Arya's Nymeria, Arya's reunion in the books will be very different. I think that the connection will be stronger and more lasting because it's been maintained this whole time with her dreams. And that there, I don't know. I don't even know that Nymeria will not recognize her. I think Nymeria, it's possible. Nymeria's gonna be like, oh, there you are. Yeah, I have know, know you. You've been in my head this whole time. <laughs> So yeah, I think it will. It's hard to predict because it's so going to be so different, and Arya is not even in Westeros yet in the book, so got a long way to go for <laughs> that. <laughs> now, this is a good time to point out because of how hard it is to keep track of show and book canon. For example, a lot of people, myself included, thought that Jorah got forgiven by Jor in the show. But that's book only. I also. Disremembered the line about that's not me. I remember the book version of that line. That's not me, that's Sansa. In the show, she just says that's not me. So there's a subtle difference, but it's a meaningful difference. And to keep track of these things, I recommend getting the books on audio if you have it, because it's a great way to keep up with what's happening to remind yourself of keeping the canon straight without you know sitting down having to read and put a whole lot of hours in it. Obviously, if you can do that, if you have time to read it. You know that's better. But if you're rushing around, if you have parents to run, get the books on audio. Go to historyofwesteros.com. Use the Audible trial. You can get two books for free without paying anything. That's a pretty good deal. At least to see if you like it, to we'll see if that works for you. And it's hard to beat that deal: two free audio books for your you're signing up when you want to cancel the trial before you pay. You Can't. And of course, you'd be supporting History of Westeros at the same time. So.